0: GM, GM, and good morning, no matter where you are or what time zone you're in. Welcome to the NFT Droplets Podcast. My name's Mas, the NFT-obsessed tryhard making things happen at NFT Droplets. And I am thrilled to have you here with me today to talk about NFTs. Let's get started. In this episode, we meet Pan Voth and Nomadic Frame. Two of the founding members of the Wildlife Collective, an organization of philanthropic photographers, say that five times fast, brought together by their passion of raising wildlife awareness and to support and empower artists in the medium through NFTs. Both are very much masters of their craft in their own right, but further, Both are incredibly caring and selfless human beings that exemplify the generosity and the community within the NFT space. While we do focus on their work with NFTs, we also learn about the art form of photography and explore the importance of charity and connection in both art and life. First up, Safarist and National Geographic published photographer, Pam Voth. In just a few short months, Pam has not only picked up NFTs and found a new collector base, but also her career has recently pivoted to take a lead role in the NFT photography space. You'll learn all about this and more in our conversation. And now, Pam Voth. Alright, Pam Voth, thanks for uh, joining us today at NFT Droplets professional photographer, published in that Geo, and active in several communities that are aiming to make this world a better place. It's a pleasure to uh, come face-to-face, finally.
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure to meet you, too. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you. You've accomplished a lot already, and throw NFTs into the mix, and lot's changed for you this year, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's been a real interesting year, I think, for a lot of us.
0: feels compressed, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, you'll hear that all the time um on on Twitter spaces about people in the NFT world they they're like, "Oh, I started 2 weeks ago and it seems like a year or something." <laughs> it's, it's
0: amazing. True. <laughs> it's very true. Uh but let's start off with uh how your journey in photography itself started and what message is behind your work.
1: Yeah. So, um like a lot of people, I started with photography as a as a young person. Um I was actually a photographer on the yearbook staff in junior high. And nice. um, yeah, I got to learn all the all the techniques of photography from the very beginning. Like um, I was doing, you know, black and white darkroom work. We would um, load our own film, process our own film, you know, use the old enlargers. I mean, this is like old school, traditional photography. But the um, the, the love of, of making stories using pictures, you know, being a photojournalist as a yearbook photographer um, really caught on for me and I just I love expressing myself through using you know looking through the viewfinder and showing what I see so yeah that was that was real early on I took a sort of a detour and in, in, in my in my career where I guess early in my career I, I was working in advertising and marketing and but I had these photos that I had taken that were like on my wall in my office behind me. And people would come in and like, oh, are you a photographer? And I was like, no, can't you see? I'm a marketing executive. <laughs> and they're like, no, but did you take those photos? And I'm like, yeah, so what about it? And they're like, uh, you're a photographer.
0: <laughs> a little imposter syndrome to start yeah, off
1: Yeah, Yeah, a little bit. So um, it was a few years into uh, into my uh, marketing career that I decided, no, I'm going to go ahead and, and do the thing I really love, which was taking pictures. So I, I jumped off the corporate ladder, um, took took some foundational courses in photography. So I really did know what I was doing and then um, kind of didn't ever look back. I always say I haven't had a real job since.
0: Oh, you must enjoy every day yeah. that you're working. This yeah, thing. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So you started off with a traditional photography in high school how that transition into, uh, well, first off, do you still use film cameras with your- um,
1: Well, I do have a film camera back here <laughs> behind me um, that is sitting on my shelf as a memory. This is actually my teacher's camera, um, the person who taught me oh, wow. photography as a kid. Uh, we reconnected years and years later when I taught him how to use a digital camera because he he was quite frustrated by that. And and then he said one one day, he's like, my niece is just going to turn this camera into a planter. Like, would you take it so that it will be preserved? I'm like, oh my gosh, the uh, honor and the responsibility. So that camera does take film. It's 120. It's a Mamiya RB67. Um, I haven't shot with that in a long time. So no, I'm I'm using digital for the most part um, ever since like 2005 when I got my first digital camera. But every once in a while, I take this beast out and... Do some special work with it. <laughs> I gotta
0: mint that thing as an NFT or something. Right,
1: right. I've got ideas.
0: <laughs> so you went to the digital realm, which is you know what most photographers today use, mm-hmm. uh, DSLRs. And uh, when did wildlife as a subject really take over?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I have always loved photographing animals. What I love about that is just kind of I've always. I I always said I wanted to get a job where I could get paid to watch animals. And so for a while I was like, well, what does that mean? Do I have to be a scientist? Do I have to be like a veterinarian? Like what kind of jobs can you do to get paid to watch animals? Because I love just uh, being in their presence and, and really observing what they're doing and, and trying to find that like perfect combination of composition, light gesture, expression, and all of that all in one frame. Um, And so being a photographer and, and selling my work as fine art images and then also leading uh, safari groups, um, helping other people take pictures of animals, you know, that kind of like helped me fulfill that, that desire to like get paid to watch animals. So but it's, it's really just, I feel like I'm very calm and relaxed when I'm just paying attention to nature. I always say this, that uh, safari is a state of mind and I'm always on safari like whether I'm looking for, um, you know, tigers in India or, or wildlife in Botswana or just like the birds and frogs and, you know, raccoons or whatever, you know, in the city. Right. Um, I really take pleasure in observing animals and um, watching them so closely that I would I tuned in to like seeing when the light catches their eye or seeing when like the profile is perfect or the gesture of their, their paws striding out or something like that. It really, to me, is a, is pretty meditative, I would have to say.
0: <laughs> I think a lot of people find that feeling when they reconnect with nature, you know, each in their own way. Central theme with your work with wildlife is capturing the, the dignity and the humor in all your subjects, which I believe all your pieces get. Do you find that that is resonating with your uh, audiences too? And
1: Yeah, um, yeah I, I kind of can't help but show a sense of humor in some of my work. There are some times when, when an animal's expression will just remind us so much of a human expression or something that that we can all relate to in a, in a universal way. And so the work that I've put out as NFTs, a lot of that does include that uh, that sense of humor. Like every image is chosen specifically because it's exactly what I meant to say. So whether it's showing something and it's majestic, like fierceness, whether it's a tiger or whether it's... Um, you know, sort of like a goofy expression on, on another animal, um, like a monkey or something like that, or or even a cow or a dog, you know, like I see those uh, humorous gestures and expressions are something I, I can't help but shoot. So um, I, when I grew up, I had this book called Laughing Camera, and um, it was a series of black and white photos, just a compilation and anthology or something of lots of different photos from lots of different photographers. And all of them had some sort of like, sense of humor, you know, expressed in it. So um, I think that was probably an inspiration for me really early on that you can make someone laugh through just a single frame in a picture. I'd say so. Kind of carried that through to (laughs) to my work.
0: Mm -hmm. It's definitely been formative. And that book you uh, bring up, it sounded like it had collections and themes tying these photos together. And that seems to be a big driver for a lot of NFT projects as well. What's your experience been with NFTs?
1: Yeah, um, my journey with NFTs, you know, I'm pretty new into this.
0: Yeah, when did you start?
1: Yeah, um, I would have to say I put my first work out in either, I think it was like late July. And that was when I first got an invitation to foundation and I mounted my very first piece. And it was the one that was um, that had been uh, highlighted at, from the National Geographic photo editors as a very really impactful piece to the to the, photo, uh, the Nat Geo your Shot community. And I chose that to like come out of the gate and being like, this is the most amazing image. But from there, um, I, I have such a huge body of work that um, I was seeing a lot of people, you know, putting out collections of work. And so I, I kind of looked through the archive that I have and, and have found some different thematic elements that I've shot over the years. And so um, I've put out collections um, on Sea. Um, I have a few collections there, but so I think once one of the things that NFTs is bringing to the world of photography, um, it's really giving photographers a way to um, to find another revenue stream for a body of work that they've already, um, you know, shot and they have maybe in their library already.
0: That's a big one. Royalties, too.
1: Yeah, royalties. I mean, this I see this as a really huge um advantage for photographers to, to really add another revenue stream to, to their work. Maybe they've sold prints already. They might already be represented in galleries or museums or um, just be, you know, the favorite photographer at the local art market. But to, to turn that work into NFTs and to present it as a collection that has, you know, a visual tie-in that that someone can quickly see like, oh, I see how all of these images relate to each other, whether they're just from the same perspective or whether they're kind of of the same subject or of a sort of thematic visual um, exploration of, of something that's, that's you know, very fine art. It's
0: totally open See, if you excuse the term, like the creativity of what you can uh, put in your collection. Mm-hmm. It's not a set rule or anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so I'm I'm real excited about what NFTs is, is bringing to the world of photography. I really think it's it's the new um, it's really a new way for us to recognize or to to experience a lot of success um, mm-hmm. as photographers who are you know doing art and, and being supported financially through making the world more beautiful and, and bringing that emotion you know and expression to people.
0: So cool, while well, retaining all the uh, ownership. And uh, cutting out the middleman too. Are there any activities or actions you found in the NFT community that have led to a lot of success, or any uh, mistakes even that you wouldn't mind sharing?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I think the one thing that's leading a lot of people, including myself, to success is just um, being part of the community. I mean, the the NFT community, especially on Twitter, um, and Twitter Spaces specifically, is just I mean, I just love it for being able to hear from artists and, and learn from their, their perspective, how they were inspired, um, learn a little bit about their, their life, um, why they make the work they do. Um, and I get a chance to kind of add into that conversation too when I join in at Spaces. So being part of the community is just, it's really the number one thing to ensure success, I think, in the world of NFTs.
0: Especially NFTs. It just feels so supportive
1: this, yeah, this community yeah.
0: that we're building.
1: Yeah. And I think people who are like kind of on the outside looking in might say, well, it, it's just, you know, a lot of it is artists supporting other artists, but artists be- can become collectors very easily um, in this world yeah. of NFTs. And and then that just perpetuates, you know, when, when the community can kind of support each other um, and then, you know, people who have become collectors can, you know, show their support by, by collecting the work and maybe they're creative too. So they, they all have work that other people can collect. It's which leads to such a healthy economy. Yeah. Yeah. And there are people who collect just because they love the art too. I mean, they're um, they may not be artists themselves, but there are art patrons out there who understand that in order to keep You know, like the world would be a terrible place if we didn't have art, you know, the art is is like recording the texture of our time and recording today's story and for others to to look back on. I mean,
0: the art has to lead the technology. Otherwise, it just turns into a dystopian, you know, matrix universe.
1: (laughs) Right. And who wants that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, some people, by the sound of it, as we're, you know, metaverse as a term is trending this year and everyone has their own definition. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. do you have a definition for the metaverse?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, well, I, well, I guess my own experience with it is, um, is, is very new still. But um, the, the experience I have just with the NFT community, I mean, I've made, I've made friends around the world who are saying, like, the next time you're in India or the next time you're in Indonesia, let's go shooting together. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that's amazing that's amazing and um and the fact that we've come together through this innovation and technology that's allowing you know the the world of nfts to um to make that possible and to make that even um like to to give us the intention to connect to each other is through our our sharing of art and sharing the work that we do and sharing and sharing that curiosity about what other people are doing too
0: in a non, you know, competitive way as we've been quote unquote trained on, you know, web two platforms like Instagram, you know, trying to fight the next guy for the most thumbs up or likes or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't spend a lot of time on Instagram. I, I don't know anyone time who time does
0: anymore. We're all on Twitter now. <laughs> yeah. So getting back to uh, you know, your exciting year this year, which pretty much started in July with your Genesis piece, I guess, in the world of NFTs, uh, lots of news happening for you lately. And you know, you just started a new position as a head of creator relations at Scalizix. Okay, I need your help. Okay, one. okay,
1: sure. <laughs> Yeah, um just last week um I started a new position as head of creative relations for sloika.xyz and um good good attempt there on the name nope, sloika No it
0: wasn't but please yeah. <laughs>
1: Um and um this is a this is a team that's bringing a uh, an NFT platform 100% dedicated to photography. So we're doing things a little bit different. We're doing we're creating a lot of brand new tools for photographers to help them re- rec- Realize success in the world of NFTs.
0: Like what? Like NFT tools?
1: Well, these are these are tools that are made to um, to help photographers and collectors both. Like with with when when photographers mint their work on Sloika, um, their collection is given a, a particular individual token as the collection itself, and so as a collector, you can know that that photographer is not going to expand that collection. They're not going to change it in any way. So when a collector collects a piece from that, they know it has rarity and scarcity. It, it's um, unlike on another platform where a photographer can have a collection. They'd be like, oh, I just added a whole bunch more to the collection. And um, uh, open seat. <laughs> I'm not going to say it, but yeah. So, um, so Sloika is doing that differently. When photographers mint there, they own their own contract. Um when, you know, when the piece is collected, it can be seen because it's um, because it has that special unique token to it. It can be seen on other platforms and um, the provenance is protected. So um, those are just some of the special things that are going on there. Um, and as a head of creator relations, I'm helping scout and curate new photographers to come on board. I'm helping them um, with each of their collections uh, at this point in this point of our uh, journey. Um, we're, we're doing a lot of white glove, you know, concierge sort of service, making sure everything is exactly right for, for the photographers who are part of this early minting. Um, it will eventually open up to be um, something that, uh, that more photographers can participate in. But right now we're trying to just get uh, collections one at a time put up there. And, and then um, making sure that the collectors are, are recognizing the real special quality that of, of the work that's there um, and why it is scarce and has, you know, will maintain value because of that, mm-hmm. that unique token.
0: Yeah, those are definitely uh, important things for new photographers to the space, especially to consider. And I'm seeing more uh, photography focused NFT platforms coming around DAOs too. I know Justin Arversano uh, is very active in that area right now.
1: Yeah. And the other other thing we're doing too, like when you said new photographers, um, there's a new initiative that actually um, has just launched and it's um, a grant program for women photographers and for photographers age 20 and younger to support young photographers coming into the NFT space. And that will be a rolling grant program. It's called First Roll. So if you look up one roll.xyz, you can get the details on that.
0: I'll definitely check out that platform. I'll leave the details in the show notes. So Sloika is a full-time position for you, but you've also got an upcoming event featuring your own personal work. And this one's special. It's a uh, a new curated NFT gallery show featuring exclusively uh, women photographers. Do you want to speak on that?
1: Yeah, yeah, thank you. I was so honored to be invited to this. Um, The show is called Balance, and it'll be presented and and on exhibition at the I'm Not Art Gallery in Chicago. Um, And that's the first NFT gallery in Chicago. They will do, they often do shows that are in the physical presence of the gallery, and then they have a metaversal um, version of their gallery, um, on CryptoVoxels. So people who come to the show um, can also um, enjoy the show with people who are visiting that same gallery at the same time, the crypto voxels. Yeah. At the same time. So it's a cool party, (laughs) that that happens anytime they have a show, but yeah, the, um, I'll have one piece in, in the, in the group show and all of the other work, um, has been done by uh, women photographers in the NFT space.
0: That's really cool. I'm excited for that. I wish I was in Chicago for that. Uh, you're also involved in another organization, the wildlife collective. So, uh, that formed recently, if I understand right, with mostly NFT photographers, um, of course, focusing on wildlife for this one. So, why don't you speak on that?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, the Wildlife Collective is a group of NFT photographers who shoot wildlife. And um, we had noticed that um, the landscape photographers were getting a lot of love and a lot of attention out in the NFT space, but there was very few. I know they're so talented and they're so amazing, <laughs> and they get up very early. Um, well, we do too, because to shoot wildlife, um, you, d- you often get up really early in the day. But um, but there wasn't really, uh, it hasn't really caught on yet in the NFT space. But the the attention for it and the um, the love for it is growing. But anyway, so it's a group of about eighteen different photographers. Um, we've banded together. We shoot all different kinds of things from macro, underwater. Um, people focus on birds. People focus on different ungulates or any kind of different animals and we have come together to we have a twitter account called wildlife collective Um, we have an on cyber gallery that features all of our work Um, and we invite other wildlife photographers to to join us to help get more attention to wildlife photography in the nft space by having um their work as part of a rotating artist gallery so we have one room in our on cyber gallery that Um, Every week or two, we'll put a few new wildlife photographers in there so that we can highlight their work and talk to them on our spaces. And then we also have um, another room that's going to be dedicated to a charity gallery um, effort where we will um, put work in there that the sale of that work will support um, a a selected um, NGO that has to do with wildlife conservation. So those efforts are, um, you know, helping us get more attention for the wildlife genre in the NFT space, I guess. And it's working. Nice. Um, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of us have, um, because of our, our camaraderie, I mean, that's, these are the folks that I, I'm like, yeah, I can go anywhere in the world now and, and have a buddy to shoot with because um, we've all just gotten to know each other and, and enjoyed each other's company so much. Again, through that sort of community aspect that we're finding on Twitter spaces and um, just being part of this NFT community.
0: Totally. And uh, you mentioned that charity as a component as well. As a collector and a creator yourself, do you find that, you know, humanizing traits like that, charity, uh, supportive community, does that lead you to invest in a project or at least look into it more?
1: Yeah, I, I feel like it does help me look into it more. Um, I also have the perspective that as an artist, like, my, my work is to, is to draw attention to, to the subjects that I'm shooting. And, and if I can make, make their story, um, more available, like for example, tigers, I mean, tigers are very endangered. Um, it's important to conserve them. It's important to protect their habitat. And so, you know, just by nature of documenting the, the story of the tiger, I am doing something to help get the word out about that, um, and, and then in, in a situation where we can donate some of our sales to help specific conservation groups.
0: Great. Well, Pam, thank you so much for sharing uh, your experiences with photography in the NFT space. And are there any uh, NFT photography projects on your radar right now?
1: Well, um- of course I'm paying a lot of attention to all the photographers that that were onboarding at Sloika. That's that's the number one thing that I'm looking at. People should at. check that out. Yeah, I am really excited though about the Rawdow and and other photography projects out there that are um, you know really bullish on supporting NFT photographers, you know, whoever they are um, and and giving giving more attention to um, to some to to women in the space and to younger photographers and to photographers of diverse backgrounds of all sorts. I mean, I think that that's a real exciting direction Mm -hmm. that, um, that the, that the community is taking. So, yeah, those, those are the kind of things I always look for is, you know, the new artists and the ones that are uh, coming up and, you know, getting, getting more eyes on their work is, is always what I try to do.
0: Agreed. Uh, support the artist people. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) We love the photos. We love we love the
1: photographers.
0: (laughs) Get out there. Check out a Twitter space. Check out uh Pam on Twitter and uh join her space sometime. And Pam, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh joining me today.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for the opportunity. My pleasure. Yeah, great.
0: Up next, we speak with NFT photography veteran and community favorite Nomadic Frame. Nomadic has been in the crypto space for a few years now, but has been traveling with a camera in hand for over 25 years, never limiting himself to a single genre. And he was kind enough to get on a call with me in the middle of the night for him from the other side of the world to connect. Now, Nomadic might be in the minority in the NFT photography space Uh, as an artist who prefers to keep his identity pseudonymous, not to hide anything, but as a family man with an active business in a separate field, uh, he prefers to keep his creative business and private lives separate. I'd like to respect that, but I'll mention it just in case you're wondering why I refer to him by his artist handle throughout the interview. And now, without further ado, Nomadic Frame.
2: Okay, all right. All right. How's
0: it going? Ah, pretty well. It's uh, good to finally meet face-to-face. Yes, it is. Right. Uh, For those who don't know, Nomadic keeps a pseudonymous uh, profile online for his work, Very experienced photographer. So many diverse techniques and subjects uh, varied from landscape to portrait to macro. Also do digital art sometimes,
2: I believe. Yeah, I dabble a little bit.
0: I dabble. (laughs) I think they're still really cool. But the focus for you is clearly photography. You've got extensive knowledge and techniques with the camera. It leads me to believe you've been doing this for a few years, at least. A little bit. Uh, How did you start with the camera, and how would you describe yourself as an artist?
2: Well, you know the word artist. Sometimes when it when when you get asked that that question, it's almost like, well, I like to take pictures, and you know, I never really defined myself as that. My dad, you know, used to have a camera around when we were kids, and I grew up around a camera. So uh, at a at a very early stage, I uh, picked up photography. It's been maybe 25, 26 years now that uh, I've I've been shooting. So and it was mainly, you know, to capture moments, you know, whenever you're traveling, whenever you're visiting places. And I found that I was moving around a lot, you know, as a kid, I grew up between the U S and between Saudi uh, back and forth between both, you know, areas from a very young age and living up to your name, living up to the name. So um, really, I, I grew up in an environment where I really didn't find one place to be home. A lot of different places were home, and I felt like I could adapt and belong regardless of the environment that I was in, and that helped me a lot because I moved around a lot even after you know growing up and at work. I lived in at least eight or nine different countries where I worked, so it enabled me to really start to look at. Different countries, their culture, their landscape, the wildlife. There's just so many layers to it. And uh, that's really the birth of Nomadic and Nomadic Frame was to really be able to give people a much more accurate, you know, representation of countries. Sometimes there's a lot of stereotypes that the media portrays. And when you go to places and you meet people and you eat their food and you walk around their streets and you interact with them, you start to form your own perspective, which is very different than that isolated stereotype or generalization that you hear about.
0: It's foundation to that human connection, just getting to know. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. And, 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 I, and I found that you know through my camera, I could tell stories mm. and I could start to show people A little bit more than what they hear about and try to really uncover the beauty that everywhere you know has and and that's something that really i'm very passionate about as an individual
0: i think that sums up your journey to this point perfectly and uh it really it really speaks through your work i believe thank you So being that this is an NFT podcast, we got to know, when did NFTs come into the picture and how did they get into the picture?
2: Well, I'm one of those guys that got into the crypto world about six years ago. I remember till now I had two and a half Bitcoin and a few Ethereum and then the market started to crash and I was like, okay, I invested X amount It's still a good return on investment, so I thought, you know, let me cash out. I think at the time I cashed out, I had made like five x or six x my investment. I was like, okay, at least I won something. Obviously, wasn't expecting by any means that the market would rebound, that would uh, that 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 those two and a half bitcoins would be over one hundred fifty thousand dollars today. It's
0: unbelievable. I just have to commend you with how early you were and. Willing to experiment.
2: The good thing was that when I did cash out, I invested into a camera system, which allowed me to upgrade the tools that I had, almost as if I had foreseen the future, knowing that I would be getting (laughs) into the NFT space and, and having better tools to use. Wise investment. Yeah, it, it paid off quite well. And, and I, that was really the time that when I was able to upgrade my tools, where I was able to actually start to invest more of my time into photography. It wasn't just then about while I'm traveling or while there's a specific occasion or, you know, day trip out somewhere that I would take the camera out with me. It started to become almost a secondary tool that I was investing my time trying to capture as much as possible with it. So back in late 2020, actually earlier than that, once COVID hit, I was shooting regularly either through travel or photo shoots for portrait photography. Uh, And I wasn't really familiar with macro photography as much, you know, it wasn't a genre that I focused on. But when the lockdown happened, and I didn't really have much to do other than work from home and have a lot of these Zoom meetings like we're having now. I started to spend a lot more time to like improving my craft. And I'm a big fan of wildlife and I've been on several safaris. I love wildlife. I love to capture wildlife and I couldn't go anywhere. And I discovered I had a little miniature safari in my backyard and I started to get closer and change the way that I look at things. And I realized there was so much that was in that backyard, whether it was in the flowers and the plants or the little insects. And basically I started to just walk around the gated community that I'm in and just discover and see. And from there, you know, the NFT world started. And a lot of people would always tell me, why don't you publish your work? You know, I had been in some photography competitions, I I, I had been recognized in, in, in my community as a photographer, but I never really thought about publishing my work for work for print, or uploading it on stock photos, it was just for me. I would share it on Instagram and social media platforms, but not much more than commercializing or monetizing it as an asset.
0: Why is that? Do you think was it wasn't like an imposter syndrome? It was an
2: imposter syndrome. It was, it was an imposter syndrome. It was always, you know, I remember my family, my friends, people within the community, they're like, Your work is good. And I'm like, Yeah, you've been doing
0: it for twenty five <laughs> plus years
2: you know it's just that 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 thing where i know this is what i do for a living and i know this is what i do for a hobby and i just want to enjoy that and i don't want to really make it into something that's stressful i want it to be that part of me where i can escape and not to
0: interrupt but i can totally relate to that you want to make sure that your uh, your passion for art doesn't become a job
2: absolutely absolutely and I knew at that point it wasn't what pays for the bills so I left it to be that part of me that I could use to really escape it was more of a therapy something that I enjoyed. and during COVID it was one of the things that got me through lockdown Mm. uh, without losing my mind
0: therapy right
2: yeah it is therapy it's absolutely therapy for me then I got into the NFT space, I reinvested back into crypto, I started buying some coins here and there, started getting into the metaverses and different um, platforms.
0: Oh, like Decentraland and CryptoVoxels?
2: Actually, those were the two that I didn't look at. I went into areas that were on the WAX platform. So I got into Alien Worlds. I got into Whoa. Our Planet. I got into those there. Oh,
0: those early play-to-earn things. I thought, like, yeah. Metaverse, universe, I'm like, going to show my photography in a virtual space or
2: something. No, not, not, that, that was early, early on. And, yeah. and actually, I'm glad I made the investment because it's still actually paying dividends today. Uh, alien
0: worlds i can't believe it
2: (laughs) yeah because when you're a landowner uh i got early into the landowner. you get the tlm on a weekly basis and because people can't mine as much as what you get from owning land everyone that mines on your land is actually you're getting a commission out of that and Mm -hmm. I mean, Alien Worlds is giving me a good return on investment almost on a weekly basis that I can use and reinvest through the Ethereum bridge back into NFTs. So it's actually been quite a good tool for me in that sense. And then um, after starting to collect collectibles, picking up little projects here and there, I thought, you know what, let me try my luck. And early on, I was able to get on foundation. Uh, I I received an invite on foundation and I started publishing work. And I started with the minimum, like the 0.1 ETH that you could uh, have as a minimum price. And things started selling. And then I started getting excited. And I was like, oh, wow, people actually like my work. They want to invest in it.
0: And Can I ask real quick, did you have to do any marketing strategy to get attention on your work or did you just wake up one morning and you were sold out?
2: No, I had to be active on Twitter. I mean, I realized that all other social media wasn't really reaping the rewards. And although I had a following on Instagram, it was people that just like to look at pictures and click like mm-hmm. uh, the real investors collectors, creators were on Twitter. So I started my Twitter account back in late Feb, early March, I think. And I've been lucky enough now over that period of time to reach about 7,000 followers wow. just by engaging within the community, making friends, building relationships. That's where I found you. I mean, it's working. Yeah, exactly. And uh, through that, I shared my work. People were interested in it. I remember one of the biggest collectors in the photography space, Cactux, bought my Genesis on Foundation. Wow. Um, and that gave me a, a good affirmation that, okay, well, maybe there is something here. Within a few months, I think I had sold at that point 25 or 30 pieces on Foundation. And I was in the top 10 sellers uh, in foundation, which was, yeah, it was a, it was a big, big leap for me, um, especially in terms of pieces sold and collect and unique collectors. So
0: unique collectors. That's another big one. You don't want to be relying on one whale, especially if you want to share your work with more and more people.
2: Absolutely. And that was, that was always a business strategy for me Mm -hmm. is to always diversify. You know, I don't want to get stuck where it's only one person buying my work. I want as many people as possible. And then I started creating collections on OpenSea. And I kept trying to get on those curated platforms, you know, the Maker's Place, the Known Origin, the Super Rares, the Nifty Gateways. And after two or three different applications and tries, I was able to get on Known Origin and Maker's Place. So um, I started to see that I'm present on different ETH platforms. How am I going to categorize my work so I just don't become scattered all over the place? So I started to look at where can I put my macro work? Where can I put my wildlife work? Where can I put my landscape? Where can I put black and white? And and just try to be known on a certain platform for a specific genre or subgenre of my work. Still organizing myself, not fully where I want to be, uh, but it is a journey. It's trial and error. And um, one of the reasons that I looked at multiple platforms and even multiple currencies, because I did try out Mm. the BNB platforms. uh, I'm on Tezos. Uh, recently gave Solana a try by minting one piece on a Solana platform just to try it out Mm -hmm. and see how that works. But it also enabled me to access a different pool. You know, there are those that are redundant, but there are those that are unique. And by doing so, it expanded my portfolio across a larger base of people. And pretty much, I knew that I wasn't being diluted. As long as the platform was credible, as long as it was having an indication that it's there for the long term, Mm -hmm. then I was okay with being on that platform. I know there's a lot of other platforms that are overnighters, one-hit wonders that come up and then die out slowly. I tried to avoid those. But so far, the the choices that I've made with regards to the platforms, I've been quite happy.
0: I'll say. And that really explains why you're so uh, spread out across different platforms. Um, do you find that there's a different market on every platform
2: like that? Well, I'll tell you that the biggest thing I found obviously is between Tezos, the hen market and between the ETH market. Mm. I really love Tezos, even though I'm, 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 I'm mainly invested as a creator and a collector on uh, ETH. It's the OG mm-hmm. platform for NFTs, but I love Tezos.
0: Same here. There's so much talent there undiscovered
2: so much so much so much people you could support you know I found that you know a lot of the third world countries don't have the ability to invest in the gas fees that are on Ethereum and it's not easy for them and you look at the quality of talent that's on Tezos investing one or two or three Tez into a piece of art could mean the world for an artist and their family, could feed them for a day. I mean, I've really gotten into supporting artists in Brazil and Indonesia and in different places across the world. Their talent is just so amazing and their work is accessible. And I mean, it makes a big difference in their life. Um, Actually last week after the Art Basel thing, I decided to go out and collect 50 pieces on Tezos. There's no way, at least at my level and my ability to invest on Ethereum to do something like that. But I was able to go out and do that on Tezos. And I know I made an impact on those people that I invested in and I love their work.
0: Exactly. Not everyone like me is an ETH whale. No, that's a lie. But- I mean... <laughs> Yeah, the community on uh, Tezos is unparalleled. Say there's all the issues with Hen, but people were willing to not only put up with it, but embrace it. The community is so strong there.
2: Absolutely. And, and I, I see it even during my spaces. When, when you have a Tezos artist on board and you're showcasing their work, it's like they bring their army with them. Everybody's there to support them and listen to their story and, and be part of their journey. And as artists, it enables us to invest in other artists. Sometimes it's kind of cannibalization because like, okay, uh, I'm buying your piece, you buy my piece kind of a thing. But I see that with the growing environment in Hen and more collectors coming into the space, more artists coming into the space each and every day, it's giving the platform more credibility. And now Mm -hmm. you're starting to see things like Art Basel, one of the biggest, you know, uh, the presence of Tezos in Art Basel was amazing. Uh, They had their marathon of panels where they were talking about the future of Tezos. And you had many curators, gallerists, artists that were coming on board and companies
0: they're really uh, legitimizing themselves a uh, big gaming company Ubisoft also announced this week all their game assets for I think uh, Ghost Recon uh, one of their yes. games are on the Tezos blockchain so it doesn't feel like Tezos is going away anytime soon so if there's any listeners who are you know ethereum maximalist but still want to support the arts or so they say look at other chains especially Tezos
2: absolutely and for uh, one of the early marketplaces like Rarible to have announced publicly that they are going to be launching Tezos on their platforms is also another indication that
0: too yeah thanks for mentioning that okay so circling back to nfts and just how much life has changed for you these last couple years What was life like before when being a non-NFT photographer versus now being an NFT photographer?
2: Yeah, the one thing I'll tell you is the biggest change is that when you're taking photos for fun, you're out there, you're enjoying yourself. Your technique isn't being pushed or challenged to its limits. Over time, you get better just by practicing and shooting more. But when NFTs kicked in. Now, every single shot that you take, it's almost like you have a film roll in your camera and you have 24 shots only that you have to capture. And you want to make sure that those 24 that you're capturing are done perfectly.
0: Oh, that's such an interesting take. Like NFTs bring that digital scarcity in more ways than one back to this uh, media. Absolutely.
2: And, and it makes you up your game a lot more because In the past, you're posting a picture on Instagram. If it's a nice landscape, it's going to be a nice landscape.
0: And here's the like, here's the thumbs up. No ETH for you.
2: Exactly. No eat for you. If it's a a wildlife uh, moment where you catch a lion out in the Maasai Mara, it's a lion. Everybody's going to get excited about it. But nowadays, you've got lots of photographers entering the space. It's almost like a mini boom that's taking place in the NFT space. and, And they're amazing their talent is second to none. And for me as a generalist, it makes it so much more difficult because, you know, a lot of people have a lane and I never wanted to have a lane when it came to photography. You know, I enjoy landscape, I shoot, I enjoy wildlife, I enjoy macro, I enjoy portraits. You know, I know the what's the saying? The jack of all trades is the master of...
0: Master uh, of none.
2: It's bold. Well, the, the continuation of it is that although the master of none, they are the master of one.
0: That's true. They always cut it off there, taking it out of context.
2: Exactly. And, and what I found is that being a generalist allows me to take a step back and say, wildlife isn't at the forefront today. Landscape is, people want to buy these beautiful landscapes, mountains and beaches and sunsets. And when they start to think about wildlife, it's a second thought. They think about macro, it's a third thought. Portraits, it's almost difficult, although you do have some crazy portrait collections like the twin flames that just exploded. But
0: oh that launched this whole uh attention on the space, I feel eversano you know, he's
2: but it also had reasons for it, you know, being part of the ape community, having the support and, and everything allowed mm-hmm. that to really, you know, uh shoot up, not to take away from the, the art itself, but Today, not many people can take street photography shots or portraits and be able to make the same that landscape photographers would make. So as a generalist, I can still shoot my landscapes. I can still mint and list them. And I know there's a demand for them. Uh, but I know it's going to be a longer burn and a longer period of time to wait out to get the attention on wildlife or on macro or on other genres that are not at the forefront of photography yet. And that's one of the reasons I was one of the founding members of the wildlife collective with Ryan and Pam and a whole host of 18 amazing photographers that are in the collective. And it just started from an idea of how can we help bring the spotlight on wildlife. And then we were able to get a gallery of 110, you know, uh, spots to fill and then we started rotating one of the rooms for guest wildlife artists to come in. And we had our weekly spaces and slowly but surely more and more attention started coming into the space. Um, a couple of nights ago, we had our uh, charity events for the Orangutan outreach. And the you know, reception was overwhelming. Uh, I was lucky enough to have sold a piece Uh, during the spaces itself and and 50% of the art that's being sold is donated to support the orangutan community in uh, Borneo and Sumatra.
0: So not only raising awareness, uh, upping the other passion for wildlife photography and supporting more in that space, but including charity in there as well. That's a big theme for a lot of NFT art, especially NFT photography?
2: Absolutely. And the the biggest challenge we had was twofold. The first was wildlife photographers, conservationists, nature photographers do get attacked because the whole discussion around how um, NFTs are bad for the environment, how they can have an impact on the environment in a negative way. And what we're trying to do is to actually use that tool as a positive generator of revenue to invest back into saving the planet. We know that it's been taken out of proportion, but we chose not to get into that debate of, oh, it's good. No, it's bad. But okay, look, this is a tool that we have available to us that we can reinvest back into saving wildlife, saving the habitat doing something that's on the ground, tangible and physical from a a meta world, from a virtual world. And we started to get people to buy into that more and more. The bigger challenge was finding a, 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 a cause that would accept ETH or would accept cryptocurrency. And we were lucky enough that we came across red apes. And Red Apes uh, was was one of the early uh, people who aped into uh, the the board Apes. And he happens to be uh, a founder and a major supporter of the Orangutan Outreach. And it was the perfect fit. And he came on board and we were able to not only donate from the proceeds, but on the first night of the charity, the Wild Collective adopted a family of orangutans and a male orangutan. And uh, after I sold my piece, I got so excited. So I used the other 50% of the donation to actually adopt three baby orangutans. Wow. It really didn't matter that I gave away 100% of the sale. What mattered was it really gave us as a collective momentum And more and more people started to come on board the cause. And hopefully we'll start to see that momentum, you know, trickle down into more charities and more wildlife artists and more collectors trying to come on board and support the different wildlife causes that we've got a list. We've got a lot of things we want to do in the space, but at least there's somewhere that we're starting from.
0: I think that's a beautiful uh, summary of the values that the organization, uh, which is still fairly recent. Has been formed to create, and I really hope that more charitable organizations look at the example set here and and open their uh, channels to such uh, funding methods. I mean, there is a heart here, and there is money here.
2: Absolutely, and 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 you can see with the big brands coming into the space, whether it's the Gucci's of the world coming into the NFT fashion. Uh, Pepsi last uh, night announced that they're going to be releasing 1,800 NFTs uh, on December 14th, Budweiser, McDonald's, Burger King. So you're getting big brands coming in. That's creating more awareness. And I think the one thing that we continue to say is we're early. We're early. And we are. I mean... Just a few months back I was reading the statistics of crypto and it's less than 1% of the world's population invested in crypto. I'm sure it's a fraction of that that's invested in NFTs. So if tomorrow the percentage of people who are invested in the NFTs becomes 2 or 3 or 4 or 5% I can only imagine the impact that NFT artists can start to have on the space and on the different causes that they support and on their own lives. You know, it's it's a game changer. Mm-hmm. And we are still early.
0: We are still early. Although it really does feel less early every time someone says that, right? That, no, what you say is so true. We're at such a minuscule percentage and if you like me believe this is going to be the future of the internet web 3 in the metaverse creators artists they have to get involved we don't want a a commercial or tech driven vision going forward with this we want the philosophers and the artists to be here early and set set precedence
2: absolutely and and what we're seeing is that we are the more more interaction we have with people i mean the space has been a great tool for me to meet new artists that don't have that spotlight you know And, and the more we can use our voice to put the spotlight on those that don't have a voice or don't have the ability to really get that reach out uh they have the talent some of them are just maybe shy, or they've never really built up their presence. Not all artists have the marketing background to be able to sell themselves. And through the spaces, I'm shocked each and every week with every new artist that we bring on board. Yesterday, we had two artists that had been in the space for two and a half, three months, maximum, and that is an indication to me of how early we are, because I start to think to myself, I'm coming on to almost a one year anniversary. And I feel that I'm like a grandfather in the space. And you've got people that are a month old or a couple of months old that are just getting started. And more and more quality talent is starting to come in. And the, the talent that maybe isn't up to that same standard is starting to fizz out. And it's it's almost Darwinian in in nature that it will have a survival of the fittest. But so far, the space is so big to accommodate for almost everybody that's here.
0: It's growing the pie too, right? For everyone, what you're doing with not only sharing your photography expertise, but your marketing background as well and now that you have somewhat of a spotlight sharing that as well in these weekly twitter spaces you're a prime example of this uh larger theme that we see in the NFT art community where oh you don't succeed unless i succeed i don't succeed unless you succeed absolutely we're all in this together and you know hashtag wag me at this point right
2: Absolutely. I mean, we have a group of artists of almost 70 artists that I started back in March or April and till today we're still together, we support each other. Uh, we've got our own little shill group, and we've got our own engagement group on Twitter, in which we sit there and we discuss and we talk about everything and share information and 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 the learning curve of everybody bringing in new learnings, new news, best practices for, and we're just sponging everything up from day one. But the mantra that we had as a group was always, "Together we rise. If one eats, we all eat." You know, and and that really helped us to actually be a support group for one another be a family for one another you know how this space has its peaks and valleys and when you sell one piece you're so excited and you're you're on top of the world and then when you have like a hiatus of a couple of weeks or a month of no sales coming through regardless of for whatever reason the dynamics or uh, ETH pumping or gas rates being through the ceiling we're there for one another to keep each other going and to tell one another it's okay we're here. We're all experiencing it together. You're not alone. And, and, and I found that space to be a support group. I found it to be a family. And it's, it's funny that we're starting to relate with one another through avatars. And yeah, no one knows anybody's background until, you know, obviously now we do. But when we first started, it's a group of people from all over the world different cultures different traditions different languages all of a sudden we're all discussing one thing that we're passionate about and we love and that's where we connect and it's really enabled us to break the barriers of differences we don't look at differences anymore we look at similarities Uh, you don't feel like there's discrimination amongst the group or amongst one another And we see that on the wider scale within the NFT community today is people are embracing people regardless of race, gender, religion, whatever it is that, you know, defines them. Nobody sees that as a reason not to embrace. And that's, I think, one of the biggest things that I've loved about the NFT community is that it's very inclusive.
0: Agreed. Same here. I mean, people, onlookers, they might question the genuineness of this uh, community spirit, but until they experience it themselves, you know, they'll hand wave all crypto as a zero sum game or a scheme or something, which tainted NFTs for too long and still does. You know, if anything's associated with crypto, it's got to be shadowy super coders or whatever the term was. Mm -hmm. But on that note, are there any NFT communities, events, or artists, or since you're a collector as well, that you want to give a shout out to? I'm also curious if you've really made a connection with uh, any people through NFTs that you know you've never met in real life.
2: Actually, all of them I've never met in real life. <laughs> I mean that that's, oh. that's that's the interesting part of it is that because I'm in a part of the world that's not very accessible by many.
0: Oh, uh, Nomadic is in Saudi Arabia for those who don't know. And uh, I'm not sure there's a very big NFT community there, but no, no, no,
2: not that I've met. I mean, I know there are, they might have their own pseudonyms. They might not be announcing where they're from. I've come across a couple of people within the region. NFT UAE is one of the collectors in the in the region that, I, that, that I've engaged and interacted with. Mm.
0: But your uh, community, the people you've connected with uh, through NFTs, you haven't met the majority of them.
2: No, I haven't. I actually haven't. Um, I mean, Art Basel would have been one of the times that I would have connected physically if I had gone.
0: Well, your work was still there, so you are still there in spirit.
2: And my friends were there as well, because some of the people mm. that are part of that original group that we started, uh, NFT Art Wolf, uh, V. Coleman, who's a curator, a gallerist, and an artist, actually, she's the one that came up with the concept of meta and uh, she went with almost, I would say, at least nine or 10 of the 19 artists that were part of the Art Basel uh, showcase. And she brought a meta virtual gallery into a physical space. And she had the VR headsets there. Um, and, and it was so fun because I got to see New, uh, Miami through them. Uh, We had our own group and Discord in which we were discussing things on an ongoing basis. And it was so interesting that something like this wasn't imaginable, you know, two, three, four years ago. Yeah. Same, same thing. I mean, when it comes to the community... I'm part of a group called Fotez, which is photographers on Tezos. And we're also working on another gallery together that we'll be launching uh, soon.
0: I'll be sure to put a few of these galleries in the show notes for listeners who are curious. Absolutely.
2: I'll, you've got the wildlife one where the, the charity is going on currently. We've got the meta virtual one. Which is still a continuation after Miami. You've got the Fotes one. And also as a subgroup under the Wildlife Collective, we're now starting to expand the wildlife collective into subgenres of wildlife. So I'm oh, leading cool. on the macro with Matt Duke. And uh oh, I love Matt's, Matt's work. Yeah, Matt's a Matt's That's a, really cool awesome guy, and uh he's actually one of the original guys we had in our group, and uh one of the founders in the Wildlife Collective. And uh, we're we're creating a group and a gallery just for macro photographers and flower photographers. And you've got Ryan Salt, who's starting to focus on the underwater life photography because there's not a really big, there's not a big amount of photographers in the space today that are focusing on underwater life. And if you see Matt's photos of sharks and seals and the things that he takes pictures of, uh, not only is he diving and he's inside of a cage and has limited amount of time because of oxygen to take shots, but he's putting together work like that. And you've talked to Pam and she's the Tiger Whisperer. That's that's her nickname. Is that Oh, one. she
0: didn't reveal that.
2: Yeah, um. yeah, that's that's our that's our nickname for Pam. She's the Tiger Whisperer. And I mean, her work with the Tigers, uh, it's, just, it's just amazing. So mm-hmm. there's a lot more that's happening. I, I wish I had more hours within the day, especially running my own business, family. Well, that's
0: another impressive aspect. You're still running your... Uh... Yeah, yeah,
2: I'm, I'm running, an ad, running an ad agency and a marketing consultancy. Time for family and, you know. My wife and three kids. I
0: don't know how you do it. I mean, it's uh, must be at two a.m. where you're at.
2: I sleep very, very little. I sleep very little. I've been, I've been, I think, for the past year, averaging out between four to six hours at maximum. But uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. So that's my energy. I get it from the. I get it from the space.
0: Well, clearly, you've been going all this time, and having gotten into crypto, and in, I think you mentioned 2016. The fact that you still have all this energy and want to keep going involved in so many different communities, uh, driving the NFT art space like this, I think that's unbelievable. Really impressed.
2: Thank you. Thank
0: you. Sure. Uh, For collectors and artists who want to reach out to you, where are the best places to find you online?
2: Twitter. Twitter. I'm always on Twitter.
0: Twitter, for sure. You don't have a Discord, right?
2: Um, I have the NFT showcase uh, Discord that I'm part of. But if anyone wants to get a hold of me very quickly, uh, Twitter's always been the quickest way to get a hold of me. And yeah. uh, I think the first thing I wake up, I check Twitter. And the last thing I check before I go to bed <laughs> is Twitter. So, yeah. Good
0: to know. And I want to remind uh, listeners about the space you hold every... Uh, in my time zone, it's on Wednesdays. So... Uh, We'll leave all this information and links in the show notes, so be sure to check it out. Nomadic, it's great to uh, talk together like this. Thanks so much for making the time.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to, you know, uh, following your work uh, and your blog and (laughs) podcast and uh, seeing more of the uh, talent in the space.
0: Appreciate that. Great. Take care.
2: Thanks a lot. Anytime. Anytime.
0: And there we have it. Pam and Nomadic of the Wildlife Collective repping their causes in the NFT photography community. Quick take, NFT art has exploded this year, changing the lives of so many artists across so many mediums with I'm sure plenty more of such stories yet to unfold. However, NFT photography stands out to me as one of the most embraced mediums by artists and collectors in the space at least currently, but it feels very sustainable. Maybe it's the outgoing nature of more lens-based artists typically have as travelers and as uh, social animals in street and portrait photography. Or maybe after getting a taste of, you know, NFT empowerment versus the Instagram model, there's just no turning back. The community mindsets of peer support and growth As evidenced by our two guests today, I see NFT visuals as an aesthetically pleasing and relatable Trojan horse, if you will, for the game-changing utility and power to the creator underneath. The space is still new, we're still early, like Nomadic said, but like film, give it a bit of time to develop and we're going to capture something special. So. Really interested to hear your takeaways from today's episode. Also, let me know how you feel about the format. Should we focus more times on NFTs or did you feel it was a good balance between NFTs and learning more about the people behind the projects themselves? Reach out and connect with me through Twitter or the website. Your questions and ideas drive future content so are super valuable. Very grateful. Remember that the NFT Droplets Podcast is available on all major podcast apps, so don't forget to subscribe and maybe even leave a review. It really helps the show get more attention. Also, check out my articles on nftdroplets.xyz. Thank you so much for joining me today, and if you made it this far, I've actually got a special treat for you. I included a fun outtake after the outro where I try to redeem myself after butchering the pronunciation of sloika. Enjoy! If you got any value from today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the NFT Droplets podcast and check out the newsletter for more great NFT content. If you really want to be a rock star, why not drop a like, share or comment. All are easy and free ways to support the show. And as always, reviews and feedback are greatly appreciated. Till the next episode drops, this is Mas from NFT Droplets. So grateful to be on this journey here with you. We're building the future together, one droplet at a time. Peace. Anything discussed in this podcast or published in the newsletter is for educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be misconstrued as investment advice. Please consult a registered financial professional before making any investment decision. And it's pronounced Sloika?
1: Sloika. Okay. Sloika.xyz. Right. Yeah. Sloica. Sloica is the
0: yeah. so it's Japanese.
1: Um I think it's it's Russian. Um it's a type of Russian croissant that has many 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 layers to it. Oh. And so the reference is um, the blockchain where there are different layers um to like there's the I guess the blockchain and then there's the bridging and then there's like I don't know the detail. <laughs> but I do think anyone the, really um, does,
0: even Vitalik. He's yeah. like, what are you guys doing with this tech? You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Sloika is um is named for a a, a Russian type of pastry that has many, many, many layers to makes it all.
0: I like it. That's a really yeah. cool origin name. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sloika.